Emmett. <clears throat> Uh-oh, everybody started going out the door as soon as they heard that word. I know. That's scary. You start talking about commitment. I want to talk to you about commitment this morning and, and how it applies to our life as Christians. You know, a, a lot of people don't like this word. As a matter of fact, we see in, in business today, especially with the millennials and youngers, that two to three years is as long as you want to work for somebody. If you work any longer than that, then you've been there too long. As a matter of fact, my mother has worked at St. Vincent's for a long, long time. What, 10 years, 11 years, 11 years. And people will say, you've been here how long? You haven't got a different job yet? Doesn't matter that she makes good money. Doesn't matter that she, you know, she gets to work every week and put food on the table and she knows people. Because why? Because that, there's no commitment. As a matter of fact, uh, many people... Uh, won't, you know, if you remember, us old people, 40 and above for sure, uh, you used to give a two-week notice when you left your job. And now the commitment is so bad on the part of people giving two-week notices at jobs that a lot of times when you give a notice at a job, if you do give a notice, the company says, well, we'll pay you. You just go ahead and go on. We don't even want you here because there's no commitment there anymore. Even with the companies, there's no commitment because they don't have any commitment towards them. So in the church, I think the commitment is a sign is a sign of your uh, ability to follow the Lord in what he wants you to do and and so when we we talk about commitment and we talk about the local church and the local body and commitment to Christ we always talk about commitment to Christ right we always talk about that we need to be committed to Christ so that one day when Jesus comes back we can go to heaven with him i mean that's a simple that's a simple every church probably tells you that right every church probably says that uh, that you need to be committed to Christ. But I want to dig a little bit deeper on commitment and commitment to Christ. What does it really mean in our lives as Christians? So let's start out with our first scripture this morning. We're in first, uh, second Timothy, excuse me, second Timothy chapter four and verse seven. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can look up here on the screen. It doesn't matter to me whatsoever. He says, uh, this is Paul talking here. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. You could put in this word faithful, I have remained committed. I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained committed. And what, what did he mean by committed? You know, what did he mean by faithful? You know, we talk about the word faithful in vows a lot of times. You know, when somebody is unfaithful to their vows, means that they did not keep the commitment that they made when they said, I do, at the altar to their spouse. So when we say, when Paul says here uh, that I've been faithful, it's not that Paul says, oh, I've been living for Jesus. I love the Lord. He's saying, I've been not only have been, been living for Jesus, not only have I been loving the Lord, but I have also been listening and obeying what he told me to do, even in the hard times. Because if you remember the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul spent many, many years in prison, uh, homebound. He was, he was stoned many times. And for those of you who may not grow up in church, it does not mean he was smoking something. That means they were literally throwing things on top of him, okay? Big rocks on top of him. He was stoned multiple times. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He goes through a list. You can read the Bible for yourself here. I won't spend all morning. But he goes through a list of things that he, that he did, that, that he went through, and he remained faithful or committed through all of that. What to? To the cause of Christ. 
See, we, when we talk about Christ and, and being committed to the Lord, today in the church, commitment means one thing to many people. There is a new survey that's come out that people say that they are an average attender to church if they show up once every five to six weeks. They're, they are an average, uh, they, they are an attender of church if they show up every five to six weeks at least one time. A lot can happen in five to six weeks, folks. Now, I know some people have to work, you know. Uh, I've got a friend, he works three he works three weeks on and three weeks off up in Pennsylvania. And so when he comes home, he's in church and he's up in Pennsylvania and he works every day of the week, 12 hours a day out in the middle of nowhere. So he can't make it to church. But the thing is, this is not people who are saying, hey, I work a lot and that's why I can't. It's just saying, I am a regular attender as long as I go every five to six weeks. And I'm like, if that's where we are now, what are we going to be like in 10 years? Is it going to be every 10 to 15 weeks I'm a regular tender? Oh, I go to church on Easter and on Christmas, and, uh, you know, somebody died. (laughs) Do we count that as going to church too? I don't know. It's getting a little weird out there. So commitment and faithfulness. Let me ask you something, husbands and wives. What would happen if you said to your spouse, you said, hey, let me tell you something. (laughs) I'm I'm going to be uh, committed, and I'm going to be committed in this relationship, and I'm going to see you every five or six weeks, as long as everything works out. I think we'd have an issue with that, those of you who are married. Those of you who are not married, how about, let's think about your boss at your work. How about, it, how about where you work? You said, you know, you know what, boss? Um, I'm a regular attender to, to uh, work, and that means that I'll be at work every five or six weeks. How's that sound to you? I think the boss would probably say, I tell you what it sounds like to me is that you need to go find another job. That's what I think. Because he's not going to say anything good about that. But we, when we come to Jesus and we say, okay, Jesus, we're going to serve you every five to six weeks. We're going to be committed to you every five to six weeks. Now, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper than what we normally talk about because I don't want to just hit the surface of that we're committed all right, so when we go to church, a lot of times when people talk about commitment, the pastor will preach, and, and here's what you'll hear the pastor preach, because this is easy stuff to talk about, because what I'm going to talk about today may step on a, on a couple of toes, but what, what happens is the preacher will say, well, you need to be committed to Bible study. Read your Bible on a daily basis. You know, at least go through your Bible once every three years. That only takes about five to, or so minutes a day. You could go through your Bible. Did you know that? If you want to go through the Bible in three years, it takes you about five minutes every day. That's not a whole lot. So if you haven't committed to going through the Bible at least once in your life, make a commitment today, write it on your calendar, say, today I'm starting, and in, in three years I'll be through, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to read for five minutes a day, and I'm going to get through the Bible in three years. Now, some of you want to get through it faster. You have to read a little bit more than that. It takes about 15 minutes a day to get through it in one year, and it's amazing how we can't even find time to do that. But that's not what this whole sermon's about. But we'll hear the pastor say, we need to be committed to Bible study. And then, then the pastor may even get it this deep. This may, you need to be committed to praying every day. You need to spend some time with God every day. Okay, these are good things. These are great things. But we also need to be committed to the cause of Christ. And the start of where that cause is, is the local church body. And many people will say, uh, say, well, it, what, what was it like in the original, 
in the original church. When we say committed to the local church body, how, how many times did they get together? When did they meet together as a group and a body of believers? And the crazy thing is they didn't get together just on Sunday morning or Sunday night, or we have Wednesday night services also, but they got together daily. They were spending time together daily. The Bible says that they would get together daily, they would break bread together, and they would study the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying that we, need to, we have to get together every day, okay? But what I'm, what I'm saying is when we talk about the cause of Christ, number one, we have to look at the local church body and say, where is our commitment to the local church body? And when, when Paul said here, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I have remained faithful, I've remained committed to the cause of Christ, have, has anybody ever ran a marathon? Raise your hand if you've ever ran a marathon. Put my hand up. All right, one. One crazy person in here has run a marathon. All right. The rest of us are sane. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but a, a marathon takes time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of preparation to, to get there. And it's amazing when I look at the church and we say, well, we just need this much. We just need this much time in the local church to run this marathon of life. We just need a little bit. But when you run a marathon, you need a lot of time to prepare before the marathon. If I went out and read a marathon right now, y'all would be visiting me in the hospital, okay? That's where we would all be. Yeah, about five miles in, you'd be in me, me and you would be in the hospital, and y'all would be praying for me not to die, okay? Or at least I'd be praying, maybe I'd be praying, Lord, just go and kill me, I'm feeling so bad right now. You know what I'm saying? But a marathon, now here's what's really cool, I want to tell you about this, uh, and maybe somebody in here wants to jump on board with this and go do it, and I will root you on. Do you know they have 24-hour marathons? where you run for 24 hours. They do it everywhere, all over the world. I mean, there's crazy people everywhere. Just go outside. You'll probably run into one of them somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and then he stopped running. 200 miles. So a 24-hour 24, a 24 marathon, uh, most people are, are aiming for maybe 100, 100 miles, maybe 120 miles, and the really good ones can go a lot, a lot further. But all you do is you stop to grab a bite to eat and stop to use the restroom. That's it. And you just keep on running and running and running. And if you look into what some of these people do uh, and, and the time and the effort they put in to get to the point where they can actually run these marathons, it may take months, if not years, to prepare their bodies for a 24-hour run. So when we look at, when we look at the, the Christian life, the commitment that it takes, the Christian life to finish the race, to finish the marathon of life, it takes a lot of commitment and a lot of time preparing and getting us ready and getting our body and our mind ready to run that race. There, is a, there was a man, and he, had a, he was going to run this 24-hour, this is a true story, run this 24-hour marathon that he'd heard about. And so he prepared for it, and there was a, there, there was a certain goal that you want to achieve. And so he ran and, and at, at, 20, at 20 hours. At 20 hours, he achieved that goal. And so he stopped. He's like, ha, I got it. I hit it in 20 hours. It didn't take me 24 hours to get there. I, I, beat, I beat the goal of 24 hours in 20 hours. So he stopped. And so he went to his coach who had done a lot of these. And he said, hey, I did it. I hit, I hit the goal, but I did it in 20 hours. And his coach looked at him and said, why'd you stop? Why'd you stop? 
See, that's what I, I see us in the church a lot of times do is we get running on this this goal and, and we see it and we go, you know what? When I reach here, I've I've got to that point. Now, I don't know what that point is for you that you've put, you know, maybe me, maybe I could say, oh, I've got to be in a pastor and I can stop right there. I don't have to go any further. I can now sit down and rest. To you, it may be something, maybe it's not being a pastor, but maybe it's something else in the church. Well, as long as I get to right here, I can stop. But the question I have to you, I have to ask you this morning, why'd you stop? Just because you received, just because you got to that first goal, why, why haven't you said, okay, God, what's the next goal? Where do you need me to go now? Where do you need me in my local church body? What kind of, because uh, I, I want to remain faithful to the cause of Christ, and I know it starts in the, in the local church body. Where do you need me to go now? And that is, when it, when it came to uh, Paul, Paul could have said, you know what, I received Christ. I was on the road to Damascus, and he came down, and he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Or Saul, he said, Saul, Saul, sorry, excuse me. And that's the term he used there. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then, and then when Paul went into town and he had been blinded, the Lord blinded him and he went into town. And when, uh, when the Christian came by, Christian brother came by and, and prayed for him and the scales came off his eyes, Paul could have said, you know what, everything's great. I'm good. All right. I know Jesus. I'm going to stop killing people. I'm going to be all right now. But instead, Paul went off and he actually studied for a number of years himself to learn more about Christ, learn more, this is what we believe from, from study, that he was really just trying to learn more. He was a smart man. He was an intelligent man, but he wanted to learn more. But the thing is, is Paul went, Paul went and he started planting churches and he started going through all these things and dealing with all these, these, these people that were mad at him, that used to love him. He even had to de- deal with some church members. You ever dealt with a church member that doesn't like you? He had to deal with some church members who didn't like him because he was stepping on their toes a little bit, telling them a few things they didn't want to hear. But he went on and he says, I have remained faithful. Even, even through all of this, I've remained faithful. Paul never stopped. When he was in prison, he could have said, well, everything's great. But instead, what did he do? He started writing. I can't get out there to them. I'm going to get it to them some way or another. I can't get out of here to give it to them. I'll give it to him somewhere, and which is amazing. Now we have all that on paper. If he just would have went around and preached it, we wouldn't have had it. See, sometimes God uses those hard times, and we have to continue to remain faithful because he uses those hard times because the future's out there. He already knows what the future is. What did we talk about last week? That he has a hope and a plan for your future. He wants you to prosper, and he wants you to have hope. He wants you to be encouraged. He wants you to be strengthened. He wants you to know that, that he's got something for you. But he kept on running. Now, I want to talk about another guy here to help us understand. Because we get in the church and we begin and and we say, we're committed. Woo! We're committed. And here's what we do right here. The pastor comes up to you and says, hey, will you help me out? And you're like, oh, sure, pastor, I'll do it. It sounds great. See, here's what happened with Peter. Everybody remember Peter? He's a great guy. He's a little hothead, you know. He kind of was a, he was a, he was kind of the leader of the 12, really. We look at him as kind of the leader of the 12. And here's what happened. Peter ha- had this discussion with Jesus. On the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. He Notice he said, all of you. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the, 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 the one that they're following just tells Peter, you, all of you are going to scatter and desert me. So Peter says, hey, pastor, 
But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And Peter says, Pastor, let me tell you this, talking to Jesus. Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. See, it's real easy when things are going great and when we're excited about a ministry that we're going to become a part of, it is real easy for us to say, hey, pastor, I'm going to do this. Hey, leader, because maybe it's a leader of a group as we grow. I'm going to do this. It's real easy. And say, listen, I'll be with you to the very end. I'm not going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to be with you to the very end. Why? Because you're excited right then. You're thrilled. Maybe a, a message was preached or maybe the Holy Spirit touched you on a Sunday morning and you said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm so excited. I remember a young lady, I preached a message and, and she came up to me and, and she's like, uh, after we were, we were praying and at the altars and she came up to me and she says, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm all in. I want to be all in. I want to be there. I don't want to miss anything. And within, a, within just a few weeks, because of a, a little bit of peer pressure from, from other people around her, because she was on a cheerleading team and she was doing this and that and the other, all this stuff, now all of a sudden that commitment wasn't there anymore. Oh, well, I've got this. Well, I can't abandon my teammates. Well, I can't do this over here. Well, I've got this going on over here. Well, i got that going on over here. See, when things begin to get a little bit rough, instead of her saying, you know what? No, this is what's more important. I made a commitment, and I'm going to stay faithful to my commitment. I'm going to be faithful to my commitment. Instead, she went the other direction. So Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, Lord, I'm not going to desert you. Pastor, even if everybody else leaves, I'm good to go. I'll take care of this. I'm going to help you out. Jesus replied to Peter, let me tell you something, buddy. This very night before the rooster crows, not only will you desert me, but you will deny that you even know me, and you won't do it once, you won't do it twice, but you're going to do it three times. Now, if you're Peter, if you're sitting there looking, and you're probably going, ha, whatever. Now, hopefully, I will never say something like that to you. <laughs> you come with me, and, Man, Pastor, I want to help you out. Yeah, before the day is over, you won't even want to do it. <laughs> You'd be like, no, I mean it, I mean it, Pastor. But this is what happened. Peter says, hey, I'm going to do this. And Jesus says, not only are you going to desert me, you're going to deny that you even know me three different times. And Peter insisted, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. Even if I have to die, I won't desert you. I won't deny you, Lord. I will never. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Now, if, you, if we wanted to read through the story and go to the crucifixion of Christ, we will find out that what happened was that Peter... When people started recognizing, going, hey, you know what? You're, you're, aren't you one of that guy's followers, Jesus' followers that's on trial? Oh, no, 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 that's not me. He got scared. That commitment all of a sudden got hard, and now I'm going to have to do something. Maybe something's going to, maybe they're going to kill me, or maybe they're going to do something bad to me. Now, I pray that you never feel that way in church because that's not our vision here. Our vision is to be a safe place. But the point is, when things get hard, the question is, are you committed? Are you willing to stay faithful? Because Peter here, because words are, words are easy. We can say anything we want to. We can say it. It's easy. Man, I, I'll help you out. And then when, you, when the time comes to help out, oh, I'll be there service. And then the time comes. Oh, and... Well, why? well, because, you know, things got hard. All oh, this happened, and, and that happened, and this other thing happened over here. 
And that's what happened to Peter. But not only, before he went and he denied, here's what's crazy. He says, I will not desert you, Lord. I will not deny you. Here's what happened. Jesus took him and a couple other guys away from all the other disciples and said, listen, I need you to stay here and watch out for me. I'm going to go off and pray. He was in the garden. Against him. I'm going to go off and pray. Remember the story? They couldn't even stay awake. They, this is Peter. He wasn't even committed and faithful enough to stay awake when Jesus says, this is what I need you to do. And then after everything was done, after he couldn't stay awake, which was just a little bit, not long after he had told him that, that he was going to deny him, then he denies him. And even after Jesus was raised from the dead, instead of Peter going, you know what? I said, man, I'm going to follow him to the ends of the earth. What did Peter do? He went back fishing. Why did he go back fishing? Well, here's what I believe. He's like, listen, I know how this thing ended up before. Uh, I need to make sure I got some money. I need to pay the bills. You know, I've got Netflix, and I've got YouTube, and uh, Red, and I've got, you know, Spotify, and oh, yeah, and I also have electric bills, too, and, you know, I've got to pay the house payment, the car payment, you know. It's amazing where our heart is, right? Well, let's pay for this. We were talking, talking to somebody, uh, uh, and they, they says, it's just crazy how, how um, these, uh, these kids are come in for medical care, and they're, the government's paying for the medical care, and they've got a, a $500 to $1,000 phone in their hands. Amazing where, where we are there. Anyway, that's just a side note. That doesn't, that doesn't count for anything right there. But the thing is, is Peter went back to fishing. See, when it gets hard for us, and I, and I could say this because I've seen many people do it, things get, get hard for us, and then those commitments and those desires that we committed to the Lord and maybe even committed to a leader in a church or, or a pastor in the church, it, and then all of a sudden other things come up, and instead of saying, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be involved here, and I'm going to be involved there, and I'm going to keep my commitments, and I'm going to stay true to what I said, and I'm going to stay faithful. Instead, we use those as an excuse. Well, you know what? You know, I've I got to make sure and do this over here. I've got to make sure and do this over here. Well, but you, you were committed to this, right? Do you know the people that were counting on you to do this? Oh, well, I was just, Pastor, I was just scrubbing toilets. Yeah, but you didn't show up to scrub toilets, and so... When Sunday morning service started, somebody walked in and the toilets were a mess. Well, Pastor, I, all, 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 I was, all I'm good for, and we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, all I was good for is I was just I was sweeping up. Yeah, but when we came in, the, door, the floors were dirty. So we had a church service and the floors weren't clean. And, we, and I mean, I know that's minuscule things, but as you step on up to other areas in the church, the question is, are you going to stay committed? Now, I'm going to use somebody... That, that is a great example for us when it comes to saying, I feel the Lord's called our church into a ministry, and I'm going to do this ministry, and I want to head it up. And that's Connie. And in Connie, when Connie and, and we started, and I went to Connie and said, hey, you know, we need to do some prayer stuff. And, and between us, we, she wanted to do a prayer walk. I agreed to it. I thought that was a great idea. And she, I said, now you're going to head it up. And Connie has stayed committed to that ministry of our church, the prayer walk ministry of our church, whether it's her 
or whether it's 15 other people. Okay? That is just an example of someone in our church who even when everything doesn't look perfect, you know, because if you run a ministry, you, you would like a few people to show up with you. It's, it feels great to go around. The Bible says that when they went out praying for people, he sent them out two by two, right? They were going out and ministering the gospel and praying for people. He sent them out two by two. And they came back and they asked a bunch of questions. That's another, another message for another day, so I'll go on. Uh, but they went out two by two. So you want people in the ministry helping and working with you. But even through that, she stayed committed. And I think of Paul when he was on that ship and he's bound up on that ship and he's saying, hey, if you'll just let us, if you'll just do what I say, we'll be fine. The ship breaks apart. You know, yes, he still ministered the gospel, but he loved it. You know, he said at one point he was sick and he was down and out and, and he had gotten where he was upset at John Mark. But he says, you know, can you send John Mark over here? Because he is useful to me now. Because he, even though there had been a point where he was upset with somebody else because of the way their commitment was totally off, John Mark's commitment was totally off, but he says, you know what, at this point, I need somebody, and John Mark's somebody that I could really use right now. Why? Because we as Christians need people with us helping us out. Why is the local church body so important? Why are the things that we do as a local church so important? Because we need each other. We need each other. We need to encourage each other. Right now, we live in a free country, and we can preach the gospel, and we can do great things like that and, and get away with it, and nobody will say anything too much just yet. But there are other countries where that's not that way. And when people get together, why they come together? To encourage each other, to tell each other, we can do this. When you run the marathon, what do you want? You want somebody out there on the sideline going, when Connie was running, I'm sure she had people on the side like, go, Connie, go, Connie. I mean, how's that? How does that feel? Oh, yeah. I'd be like, put a wheelchair down here and push me. But we want and we need Christian brothers and sisters next to us, behind us, pushing us, encouraging us, helping us carry the weight of the ministry of the church. And when we commit... Sometimes we say, well, you know, I, I know I've committed, I, but it was just the pastor or it was just the leader of this ministry over here I committed to. So, so it, it's okay. But the commitment that you make in a church is not really to that person. That person is just an ambassador for the Lord's ministry. And in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says this, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And so when you make a commitment in your local church body, you will need to commit your actions to the Lord and say, you know what? I told Connie I would show up Friday or Saturday. I told Connie I would show up and, and we would go on, our, on a prayer walk together. But you know, this thing came up. And so therefore... That's a good excuse because I really don't want to go anyway, and so I'm just, not, I'm just going to tell her I can't go. And instead, what you have to do is say, wait a minute. When I tell somebody in the church that I'm going to help out in the ministry of the church, I'm going to commit my actions to the Lord so that there is success in this. I'm going to commit it to the Lord. And I know that that may be a hard thing to do, but if we commit to the Lord, it's kind of hard to break it because the Lord's up going there, you know what? 
you said uh, the other day, this is what you were going to do. You said a year ago, this is what you're going to do right here. I know it's a hard thing to think about because we want flexibility. That's where we are in America. We have flexibility because we just want to be able to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, whenever, whatever time, whatever place. If we want to decide to change our mind, we want to change our mind. You know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but another church I was at, we would leave church. Everybody's standing around the foyer and everybody leaves. And then I get a phone call. Hey, where are you going to lunch? Well, I was thinking about going over to Slim's. Well, we're going over here to um, David's Burgers. Well, they're not open on Sunday, so I'll pick another one. We're going over to Olive Garden. You want to come to Olive Garden? And I'd be like, and then you'd be, instead of talking at church, why? The flexibility of this, this little object right here is going with us everywhere all the time, right? We don't have to talk about it at church. As a matter of fact, we don't have to plan nothing. We don't. I mean, used to, you had a phone at home, and if you wanted to meet somebody at Walmart, you were like, call them, hey, I got to go to Walmart, you want to meet at Walmart to do this, or I want to meet at the park. Now we go to the park, you say, hey, I'm at the park, do you want to meet me at the park? <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, you, no, you don't want to, okay, all right. Well, if I would have called you 30 minutes earlier, oh, you're on, you're on the other side of town now. And it's a, But we begin to treat church the same way. We begin to look at church the same way, and we start saying, what do I need to focus on commitment to the local church body? I will come and go as I please, as I need to, instead of saying, you know what, God, what, I made a commitment to you. Now, I want the plans to succeed because I made this commitment, so now what, what are you going to do? Let me just go and do it. Maybe I don't want to do it. And I'm telling you, there are times that you're going to do that, you know. You know, times I, I, I get up in the morning and I say, Christy, I don't want to go to church this morning. She says, well, you got to. You're the pastor. You know? Sure we can't lay in bed a little bit longer? I actually normally reverse. You'll go, I, I don't want to go to church right now. I'm so, oh, this bed feels so good. I'm like, you're the children's pastor. You got to be there. Sorry. Commit our plans to the Lord. And when we talk about that, when we talk about getting tired, it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. When it comes to a group, when I talk about groups, I'm talking about like Sunday school, women's, men's, whatever group, and you're leading that group, do you know that your students, you may say, well, I'm not that smart in the word. It doesn't matter. Your students are counting on you. Your students in that group, your women in that group, your men in that group, whatever kind of group you're running and you're in charge of, they're counting on you. And if you don't show up, if you're not there week after week or whatever the commitment was for that class or for that group, they're going, well, you know, what's going on? And again, I know some people get sick. Some people can't make it because they're sick or something like that. That happens. I try not to get sick on Sunday, I'll just tell you right now. I'm like, God, if you're going to make me sick, make me sick on a Monday, okay? I don't want to miss church. But I did. I did miss church, uh, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago because I could, when I get the stomach bug, you might as, that's kryptonite to me. You might as well just take a gun and shoot me. I mean, you could come in my house and rob me, and I would just sit there and go, take it all, I don't care. I'm not moving. I don't want to move. 
And, and, and so, so, yeah, I missed church that morning. I was like, I called the pastor. I was trying so hard to get ready and trying to, I was like, maybe I could go and lead worship and, and, and just, I'm done, you know. And finally, I called the pastor. I was like, oh, pastor, I'm not going to make it. Here, talk to my wife. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So Christy talked to him and told him I can't make it. Understandable. It's going to happen once in a while that where something like that, that's going to happen. But the deal is, is we don't want to get tired of doing the good thing. And if you're teaching a class or a group or you're doing something else, instead of saying, you know what? Oh, I'm going to tire. Let me give an example that I praise God for is Will ran our lyrics for, for a good year. Will ran the lyrics for a whole year. And if you've ever ran lyrics on a, on a screen, it gets tiring. Because you want to get out from behind there, maybe you want to dance or clap your hands or do something else. Because when you're doing the lyrics, and if you ever notice, sometimes they get behind. Sometimes it may be because I throw a loop on them back there. But sometimes you, you're just like, oh, I just want to worship. Oh, i got to click this thing. Because you've got to stay focused on the job. And so now Tabitha has learned to do it. And so now we're starting this rotation. And, and Will's been able to take a couple of weeks off. I says, hey, take, let's take some weeks off here. Let Tabitha do it. Then we'll get back into this rotation so that Tabitha's not just doing it herself. You know, um, when you look at that, but what is that? That is commitment. Hey, pastor, I'll be here and I'll run it. You ask me to do it, I'll do it. Now, at some point, he could have said, you know, pastor, I really need to get behind, out from behind this thing. And I'd be like, oh, no. Now you're going to ask my mom to run it? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love my mom. She runs that sound system already. But that's the problem. You know, you, you, there's two things back there that have to be taken care of. And without the commitment of somebody back there and taking care of it, we'd have issues. And so when we make a commitment to something, sticking to that commitment is the way that we want to do it. Since we have started this church, we've had people who were supposed to teach on a Wednesday night and just didn't even show up to teach. What do you think the students think of this? And when I say students, I'm talking about old, young, right? It doesn't matter what age you are. I'm not talking about kids, okay? I'm talking about students because, because uh, Will over here, he's got students in his class, all right? So I'm let, when, when the students, when the people show up and that person's not there to teach, what do you think goes through the minds of the people? I know what goes through my mind. Where are they? What are we supposed to teach tonight? Now I've got to pull something together. Or maybe somebody else has got to pull something together because they just didn't show up. They didn't call. They didn't say anything. They just didn't show up. It makes it difficult to do the work of the ministry of the church when we don't keep our commitments. And like I said, I know that some of these things may be a little bit rough to you. You may be a little bit, you know, and I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. This is not a blame game. This is not saying anybody's doing anything wrong. What I'm saying is we're going into a time of growth into our church. I really, really believe that. And when we talk about that, those commitments have got to stay strong, even when we get tired. Our students, our building, our me <laughs> need those commitments to stay strong because when they do, then our plans, the plans that God has for us will succeed when we commit to the Lord, saying, Lord, I'm not just committing to the leader or the pastor. I'm committing to you, God, to take care of this. And when we do that, when we do that, those plans will succeed. 
You don't see churches succeed when people don't keep their commitments, I'll guarantee you. You go into these churches that succeed, people are keeping their commitments to the ministry that God has called them to. So when you get tired, when you get tired, here's what I've done. When you get tired, you say, God, what am I really doing this for? Am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for for those people? Like I said, whether it's sweeping the floor or whether it's teaching a class, whether it's leading music, whether it's doing something in the back, whatever it is, renovations on the church, who am I really doing it for? I'm doing it for you, God, because you then will make the plans of Unlimited Church succeed in this community. And I will be there, and I will be committed in the ministry that I have, that I have said, said that I'm going to do. Now, let me tell you something. When you go back to Peter, and he was very adamant, I will not be like everybody else. I will stick to you till the very end. Now, Peter, praise God, the Lord raised him up and made a great leader. Upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. But the thing about it is, when you go in, I say commit yourself, okay? Commit yourself. Find areas of ministry in the church and say, this is where I want to be involved. This is where I want to be involved. This is how I want to be involved. But the thing is, before you get so excited Don't take a year praying about it, but sometimes you need to sit back and pray for a minute, okay? Maybe you need to wait a few days and say, well, this is exciting, but let me talk to that leader. Let me talk to the pastor. Let me talk to whoever's in charge of that and say, what are the expectations of this this position? What are you expecting out of me? Wait a minute, you're expecting me to be at church at 845 to teach a class every Sunday of the month? All right, can you do that? Well, I, well, Pastor, I, I'm gonna, I know I'm working at least two Sundays a month. I can't do that. You know, is there something else I can do? Or, or maybe a leader, you know, I can help out in this area, right? I could do this, that, and the other. I could do, you know. But the thing is, don't commit to something without first realizing and praying and finding out, is it possible that I can do it? Now, with God, all things are possible. But look at that. Don't be like Peter and just jump up and down going, yeah, here's me, here's me. I'll do it. And then not show up and not participate, not commit. Because then it makes it so hard because you commit to ministering the church. You're committing to God and what he has for your life, okay? Now, I know the word commitment is, again, it is very difficult. But when we do commit, when we do commit to what this church is doing and where we're headed And what God has got for us, let me tell you something. When you get tired and you look back, teachers, when you look back and you go, when you look back, you say, you know, I used to have one in my life discipleship class. Now, Sandy, the start of this school year, Sandy's going to have some people, some some children move up into her class. She's going to have like three or four, okay? But she says, I've only got one, and, and, and she looks back in a year, and maybe it's not just youth that are here. Maybe we grab another youth or two, and we see somebody saved. You know how I many people have been saved in life discipleship classes and Sunday school-style classes? There's been a ton of people saved in class. And you say, no, wait a minute. Not, maybe somebody wasn't saved, but you looked in the future, and you go, oh, my, this person's a pastor. This person's a worship leader. This person's working in the church. This person's a missionary. 
And I remember when they were in my class, and I remember when we talked about this, and I prayed with them because they said they were called to do something or another. This person is a business businesswoman, a businessman, and they're running a godly business. And I had something to do with that. Sometimes it's, oh, wow, oh, my goodness, this person's mom and dad are in church because of what I was doing with their kid on a Sunday morning. Teaching adults, you're teaching women, same thing goes. You're going to look back and you go, oh, because of what I was doing and because of my commitment and because of my level of there, because I put and poured my life and my heart into them, even when I was tired, even when I was tired, I put it into it. Oh, God, thank you, because look at what they're doing now. Becky, you work hard at the women's ministry. Who knows some of these women that are going to come up through this church, maybe they're going to be in another church one day, and they're going to say, man, I remember how Becky used to run the women's group, and it was so exciting. I know how to do it because I sat underneath her, and I helped her out, and now I'm going to run a very effective women's group at my church. That's the exciting part of it. Don't look at it and get tired and doing good. Don't look at it and go, oh, my goodness, I'm just so tired. I just don't want to do it anymore. Say, wait a minute, God, I don't know what the future has, but I believe you're doing something. I believe it's, so, it's going somewhere. You're going to be effective in the future because I've committed my, 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 myself to you, Lord, and there's going to be successful plans in the future for everybody who is underneath me, who's participating in this ministry, and I'm going to see people saved. I'm going to see people freed and filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to see people doing ministry. I'm going to see people getting into churches and growing other churches elsewhere the way they, they can, the way that you want them to. That's what's exciting. And so when you get tired, just say, hey, when it's over with, I'll take a break. But let me tell you, Right now, I've committed God, and he's going to help me get through this. Remember, it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. This race is a marathon. So don't, don't run it all in one day. Don't take the first month. Whoa, yes, man, this is girl. Say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. But, Lord, when I start to get tired, you running those 24-hour marathon. When they start to get tired, they take a break, take a drink, get some electrolytes in them grab them some food, use the restroom, they get back out there. And they say, hey, I hadn't got the goal yet. I hadn't got to the end of this thing yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> and when I get there, I'm not stopping at 100. I'm not stopping at 120. I'm stopping when I get to the end. Okay? Praise God. Would you just uh, bow your heads with me this morning?